This is 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Brought to you by RCR Wireless News and Telecom Careers. Connect at CarrieCharles.com. And now, here's Carrie Charles. Telecom providers are laser-focused on building the infrastructure for 5G, and vital market intel is needed to help navigate rough waters. Knowledge is power right now, and questions need to be answered, such as, where are the opportunities for growth in 2020? What roadblocks lie ahead? And how will COVID-19 impact the industry as a whole? Today, I'm talking with the Vice President of Marketing for SiteTracker, Brett Chester, about a groundbreaking report that was published by his company this week, revealing the outlook for 2020 for telecom infrastructure providers. Brett, thank you so much for being with me today on 5G Talent Talk. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, Brett, before we get into the report, can you tell me more about SiteTracker? Yeah, for sure. So SiteTracker is an end-to-end project asset and work management platform. Uh, I know that that's a mouthful, but essentially what we do is we enable um, our heroes of telecom, the people building the infrastructure around us, to not only deploy uh, critical infrastructure like 5G small cells, um, but to maintain all of the infrastructure that already exists through some of our software. So let's talk about the outlook for 2020 in telecom infrastructure and and the report. It's absolutely, I think it's the first one that's ever been done like this. So it's super exciting. It was released this week. Um, What are the opportunities for 2020? Yeah, for sure. Well, firstly, let me say, uh, I just want to wish anyone out there that's uh, suffering with coronavirus or knows anyone affected, thank you, good luck, and uh, wish you all well. Uh, I want to give a especially big shout out to our healthcare workers and um, also to like other essential service people like the the folks in the telecom industry that are keeping us not only having this call but keeping my connectivity at home. Um, so, firstly, that's what that's what I got a shout out for uh, for Love all it. those essential services. Yes, thank um, you, Brett. I think I think from a challenges and opportunity perspective, um, you know, there's like a pre. COVID-19 world and a post-COVID-19 world. Um, When we launched uh, this survey, which, as you said, was the first of its kind, no one's really dug into telecom infrastructure like we have. Um, We were pre-COVID-19. And um, some of the interesting insights that we saw there was uh, the optimism um, of the industry to grow. Um, You know, we're looking at 74% of uh, all respondents, and we had hundreds of respondents, tell us that they're growing faster or at the same rate as expected or forecast. So that's super exciting to see. Um, Post-COVID-19, I think that um, there's a lot of optimism still, um, specifically because folks are uh, being classified as essential services. Uh, We're starting to see the FCC... Um, pushing out for, for um, pledges from a broadband perspective. And as a result, there's still this void outlook, um, but it's getting harder for people to do what they need to do. 
So tell us a little bit more about the survey and the report. You said hundreds of people were uh, were interviewed and um, what types of questions did you ask and and what are the sections of the report? Yeah, for sure. Um, So we surveyed, uh, it ended up being two separate surveys. Um, One was the specific core survey and then the second follow-up specifically around COVID-19. We had about 870-odd people respond. Um, And the types of sections that we've broken it up into is pretty clear. Um, We've got the outlook um, we've got the challenges that our uh, insiders that have responded kind of gave us, as well as a special update um, answering questions around COVID-19. Um, I think that the core of the survey, uh, no matter which section you look at, um, definitely reflected um, our thoughts around um, the three Vs is what we like to call it. Uh, at Site Tracker, uh, the volume, variety, and velocity of work in telecom is changing rapidly. Um, so that that our thesis around the three Vs is, is definitely stuck. Um, and the reason I say that is because one of the questions that we asked is how are you going to continue to manage or improve your margins? Um, and processes and workflows came up uh, pretty high in the answers there. So if you think about it, the way we used to do things before in telecom and the types of projects we were involved in in telecom aren't the same as what they once were. And as a result, people are realizing that to execute effectively and to ensure that margins stay high um, and profitability is there, that um, they have to adapt to the changing environment, which is positive because it means that the whole ecosystem will continue to grow. So what about project accuracy? Because I found that to be a very interesting part of this report. Yeah, project accuracy. Wow, I was blown away. Um, when I looked at the um, the results there, I was expecting one answer and, and got completely another answer. Um, basically, the, the report highlighted that 30% of projects are completed late and roughly 63% required rework. Um, you know, when when we're thinking about staffing um, and we're thinking about hiring and we're thinking about talent um, and we're kind of reflecting on that we all feel as though the industry is growing, I'm not sure that we really have the ability to execute sometimes, uh, particularly if margins are shrinking uh, and rework is so high because those two things are at odds with one another. So it was a fascinating outcome to see. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, selfishly for Site Tracker, we help minimize um, the amount of rework that's required by ensuring that projects are broken up into their most granular steps um, and so that execution can occur uh, swiftly and effectively. But from a, from a broader set perspective outside of Site Tracker, um, I was blown away to see that stat. I'd, I'd heard, you know, 40s to 50s, but not 63. That's pretty high. Yes, I was blown away too. Let's talk about hiring. So you saw some contradictions here when it came to hiring and workforce. Let's talk about that a bit. Yeah. Um, we asked the question, it's like, if you 
are going to grow and you're forecasting that you're going to grow um, and you're thinking about expanding into new verticals that you haven't been in before, as an example, um, tower going into fiber. Um, what we saw was is that 49% of the respondents said that the way that they'd be able to meet the demand of new projects and new project types was by hiring more people. Um, the contradiction, which was fascinating, was 74% said that they were concerned about skills shortages and 68% said that competition was going to drive down margins. So from my perspective, and I'm sure Carrie, you should agree, right. um, hiring the right people um, is getting harder and harder um, and making sure that you'll get the right talent on board for the right project types, hiring the right people for the right jobs and getting them trained up as quickly as possible is going to be more important than ever before. It is. And I see here you said that competition will drive down margins. So now we have to find the right people for the right jobs at lower prices. So exactly right. it's it's just <laughs> right. What a conundrum we have here. Um, yep. But again, every problem has a solution. Every solution presents another problem. So, you know, I am hopeful that with everything the industry is doing right now, um, WIA tech, uh, there's just so many things yeah. going on for the good of our industry to get new people in and get them trained. Um, you know, I do believe that there's solution here. So what about competition? Uh, in the in the report, I saw that competition is intensifying. Yep, definitely. Um, I think that most folks out there definitely think that competition's on the rise. Um, and, you know, this number, 49% are going to be expanding into new verticals. So if competition's high um, and there's more players coming into the market, and yet most people think that um, they're going to achieve growth through new verticals. Um, we're talking about lots of um, hands touching hands, I suppose. Um, there's going to be a lot of overlap between uh, folks working on different project types. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm forecasting, and the, the report supports it, that M&A is going to be much bigger this year. Um, I unfortunately don't know whether COVID-19 um, will impact M&A. Um, I doubt it, just based on the amount of activity that needs to occur to be able to support folks working at home like myself. And, and if this continues to stretch out, uh, that will only intensify. But I think that M&A is going to be on the increase as a result of this increase in competitiveness. Um, we're going to start to see more and more roll-ups uh, in fact, the report said 84% of uh, respondents said that uh, M&A is going to be bigger this year. But I think the question that we have to ask ourselves when we're thinking about M&A is how are we going to get the best multiple or the best return um, during those types of activities? And you know, my hypothesis is that it's only when you've got fantastic margins that you're going to be able to have great returns and great multiples. But the only way you're going to get those great margins is by ensuring that you're operating um, as effectively or as excellently as you can be. Um, so for me, the way that the M&A market is going to get to that number is by either lots of low-valued sales and mergers or by lots of fantastic exits and mergers um, by virtue of people really defining 
the workflows and processes and back-end systems that they need to ensure that numbers like 63% rework is now 10s and 15% rather than you know, much, much more. So operational efficiency is, is, the, is the call to action here for everyone. Um, drive that operational efficiency because it's great to have a hot market for M&A, but it's also better to have great multiples. You know, you're absolutely right, and I think efficiency is key. I'm hearing from many companies that they're looking to toward automation, artificial intelligence, uh, software, SaaS products to to really increase their efficiency and therefore increase their margins, their EBITDA, and you know make them stronger for M and A. Uh, would you agree with that, Brett? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that. One of the things also that came similarly out of the report was just the sheer number of tools people are using. Um, I saw one respondent saying that they were using over 15 different tools on a daily basis. So mm-hmm. I'm talking everything from email to Excel spreadsheets to text messages. Um, people are communicating project statuses via text messages. We live in a day and age now, particularly uh, as we speak now, where we're remote. Um, Text messages are not an efficient mechanism for which you can do follow-up on. Um, It's something that you respond to instantaneously or at a later stage when you get to it. Softwares are eating the earth for a reason. Uh, It's because they create a paradigm in which businesses can operate more efficiently. Um, This is why we're seeing companies like Zoom um, go through the roof at the moment because remote collaboration is of the essence for us. Um, software like Site Tracker and software like other CRMs out there that, uh, or, or um, any other software solution that you need for your business are going to be the best places for you to find those efficiencies. Especially, and this is, this is something that's near and dear to my heart, because uh, I knew growing up uh, in, in my career, reporting took up so much time of my life. I used to live and breathe in Excel um, and right now we're seeing some people taking at least six hours a week to create reports. They're relying on third parties in their offices to, to create reports for them. They're using multiple disparate systems and they're having to stitch together data points, which is yielding really bad results. It's, it's giving us a, a bad sense. No one trusts their data, essentially. No one's trusting what they're seeing because there's such a hodgepodge of things coming together to create uh, a report. So again, if you tie this back to rework, is it because we're not actually processing things properly? Is it because it's incorrect data? Or is it that we're just not setting up our teams to be efficient? I think it's a combination of all of those things. And I think that software is going to yield many different results and outcomes for companies. um, And the adoption of it should be happening now in preparation Um, for projects coming up, not when the project hits. Um, Some people just need to take leaps of faith um, rather than waiting for things to hit because the efficiencies that people need to find is today, not for the next project. Did you have a piece in there on how much time or how efficient meetings are? For the industry folks out there, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's God bless meetings. Yeah, we don't even have to say um, talk about that. We all know, right? <laughs> yeah, meetings. <laughs> you know the answer. Um, yeah, look, fourteen point eight hours a week 
um, was kind of the average number people were spending in meetings. Um, that's roughly 38% of a person's average work week. Um, I know that there's definitely meetings that could be had that uh, should be emails, and that's that's not going to change too fast. Um, but I think that if we get to a point where we have proper automation in place, where we have proper workflows in place, uh, where we have a proper foundation for which we can um, establish the success of our businesses, those types of meetings will turn into more efficient time for the headcount that we have in our businesses. Um, an example, and, and again, this is a selfish example, a site tracker example, um, we have a facility, uh, a, a part of our software that allows people to do closeout reports in a click of a button. It allows us to merge um, various results across the project into a single closeout report at the click of a button, which will then get pushed immediately to the person that needs to be paying you to say, yes, I agree this project's been closed out or not. Rather than spending hours in meetings going back and forwards, we can start to automate things um, that will make our lives more efficient. Um, and I don't know about you, but if I could save two hours a day in meetings, I think that uh, my output would be higher. Um, my team's outputs would be higher, and it would just be a better world to live in. Yes, and it will increase the bottom line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely. Right. So, Brett, COVID-19 is bringing much more than a global pandemic to our world. We're facing a level of social and economic disruption that we've really never seen before. So from the results of the survey, what is and will be the impact of COVID-19 on the telecom industry? Yeah, look, I think we saw some amazing quotes. Um, I was I was blown away by the positivity of the industry. Uh, one of my favorite quotes was, keep calm and carry on. Um, I think that, that might be a little bit gung-ho. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do think it's um, a positive sentiment, but I still think that there's still a lot of risk out there. Uh, I'm not going to comment too deeply on the, on the actual virus itself. I'm an armchair quarterback, I suppose, when it comes to that. But what I can say is that um, we have an industry that believes firmly that the volume of work is going to increase as a result of this catastrophe, of this pandemic. 72% of people, in fact, say that they expect an increase in, in demand and an increase in volume. Um, and, you know, I'm seeing things like there'll be more need for 5G, um, more people are going to be working from home and their dependence for faster speeds and better services are going to increase. Um, however, on the flip side, um, not that many companies were prepared for remote work. 65% um, of respondents said that they um, have impacts to their ability to deploy as a result of work-from-home changes and policies. As that starts to, to spread across the nation um, from you know the coasts inwards, I anticipate this is going to get worse. Um, so you know I'm seeing quotes like, we're doing everything that we can, it's working, all the way through to um, you know, we don't have the VPN infrastructure um, to be able to handle this load from remote employees. So you know there's, there's a lot of um, in-between, of course. Um, but I think that those two divides are going to be interesting. 
um, and challenges that we need to overcome um, over the next few weeks and months. Um, I think that the most brilliant response um, that I saw in the COVID-19 addendum was that 71% of respondents were on the ball and were adapting to change. Um, They were getting out there and actively working to change their processes to get to a point where they can work remotely and be efficient working remotely. So, you know, it's no wonder that other critical infrastructure industries look towards telecom. Uh, We are on the cutting edge and we will continue to be on the cutting edge. Um, And, you know, it's a pleasure to be part of an industry that's um, so willing to respond to change and and move into um, to, to crisis mode and move quickly to support the nation and the world. That is well said, Brett. Um, in fact, next week I will be hosting an episode on remote work, and I've got an amazing expert that's coming on to discuss that and really helping people to know how to lead, manage a remote workforce. And so, Brett, where can our listeners get access to this report? Yeah, everyone can visit uh, our website, sitetracker.com, S-I-T-E-T-R-A-C-K-E-R, in case my accent was a bit harsh there, Um, sitetracker.com forward slash T-I-P-O, short for Telecom Infrastructure Provider Outlook. Uh, And if you can't find it there, I'm sure you'll be able to find it in our social media uh, as well as across most of the industry media outlets, everyone from WIA through to um, Inside Towers have promoted this for us because um, the data in there is absolutely must-read if you're in our industry. So, Brett, this has been so timely and helpful for everyone in our industry. Thanks so much for joining me today on 5G Talent Talk. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to this episode of 5G Talent Talk, brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff 5G Talent Solutions. And as always, you can connect with me at carriecharles.com or on LinkedIn. In fact, tomorrow I am launching a LinkedIn group called Telecom Strong. And that group is there to provide connection, support, inspiration to the telecom infrastructure industry. So find Telecom Strong on LinkedIn and join tomorrow. And uh, I hope to see you all in the next episode. Thank you. You've been listening to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions, brought to you by RCR Wireless News and Telecom Careers. Connect with Carrie at CarrieCharles.com.